0: Iowa Everywhere. John Miller, Chris Williams, from the Channel Seed Studios. It's Miller and Williams, presented by Wild Rose Casino and Hotel. Three locations in Iowa. Three times the fun. You'd rather be here. This is Iowa Everywhere. what's up welcome to miller and williams we are here recording on a sunday because there's no two guys named chris monday this week we're going to be on tuesday because Hassel's traveling and i thought it'd be perfect to get my main man john miller on here because everybody wants a pot on a monday
1: morning john they everybody- do and just just so for everyone listening notice that he said my main man john that's not main man chris it's not main man bloom it's main man john so hey i love you too feelings mutual my main man
0: we're presented as always by our friends at the wild rose casinos in clinton Emmitsburg, and jefferson and uh we're in the channel seed studios i also want to give a shout out to a new sponsor john have you ever flown a drone
1: uh, I have one. I've had it for 18 months and I've never uh, flown it. Never flown probably it. Probably not as badass as a TeraPlex Ag drone. So these, no way. These, no oh way. My
0: God. These guys brought these drones over to the RV lot at Iowa State, oh, and I got to fly them. These things are insane. They're like GP. You would have loved it because you're such a techie, so my guy Dustin has his phone out and he like he tells the drone where to go before it takes off. And it takes off and then it's like thirty-five miles per hour. Wow! They don't, you don't even have to fly it, it just does it all completely. That, if,
1: if you're a farmer out there. So many there, applications for agriculture.
0: Yes, that's that's the whole point. And if you're a farmer out there and you've been thinking about getting into that world, remember our friends from Teraplex. Uh, okay, I have two topics I want to kill with you today, because uh, this will be a shorter show. It's not going to be a full hour. The um, one is if Iowa's offense keeps getting better, will they bring back Brian Ferentz? Two, um, I want to talk about so Lance Leipold, who Little Gracie's head coach. He's going to get tossed around with a bunch of these names, or with a bunch of these schools, and so is Matt Campbell after Iowa State season. And I want to make a point, and I want to run it off of you. But well, let's start here. So let's say Texas A&M calls Lance Leipold or Matt Campbell, okay? Which I don't think Campbell would be a great fit there. I have no idea about Leipold, but whatever. Just hypothetically, Michigan State or Texas A&M comes calling. A... Yes, it is in the Big Ten or the SEC, which are the premier leagues going forward in college football. A lot more money there. You're going to make a lot more money. B, these are two coaches that have very established programs in a league where I think they both look at it and say, going forward, we can be really good, like really good in this league with a chance to go to playoffs. Do you think what? Let me put it this way. With the twelve-team playoff guaranteed spot, are you better off being in one of those type of Big Twelve schools or being like a middle of the pack to second, third tier Big Ten or SEC school? Because I think Leipold specifically is really going to get tossed around here. I don't know about Matt. I do his name always comes up, so so I was just thinking about this and you you come at it with a different perspective with more of a Big Ten tilt. What do you think?
1: So I was just googling. uh, Matt Leipold's age, real fast. Okay, 59. Okay. I so, called him Matt. Uh, yeah, he's he's 59. And mm-hmm. Matt's, is Matt even 40 yet?
0: Yes, he's like three years older than me. So, yes. He so
1: is, that's uh, like 42,
0: somewhere yeah. Yeah. Okay, he, he okay. Matt's 44, so, I think. I'm sorry. 44, he's like all right. four years older than me.
1: So there, there's a number of different ways to look at this. And just like I talked about uh, either last week or two weeks ago, why I don't think uh, Kleiman's going to leave Kansas State because of what he's communicated to people that I know very well, that he's just not a, a lifer. He's not going to be coaching in his 70s. He, he's going he's to have financial security for his family, and he wants to do other things. We'll see if that plays out because the ego is a hell of a drug. Um, if you get the call from Texas A&M and, to a lesser degree, Michigan State, You only leave if you get a seven-year deal that's going to pay, you know, Texas A&M, if if I'm coming in to to get that job, I say, hey, it's going to be seven years and it's going to be a minimum of seven or $8 million, maybe more, because you know Texas A&M can swing that. They're doing $75 million in a write-off and they have oil money endowments in that university that uh, are simply incredible. And nearly unmatchable by anyone else in this country. So yes, you go exact your pound of flesh, and if I'm Lance Leipold, I'm gone. Uh, but then again, it comes down to this: What are your goals, mm-hmm. Matt Campbell? 24. If he could, if he took either the Michigan State or the Texas A&M jobs, because Michigan State has a has a has a uh, recent history. They paid their former coach over 90 million dollars over 7 I mean it was it's 90 some million dollars. It was a ridiculous contract they paid him for one year of going 11 and 1. That didn't work out so well for them. They're going to be let off the hook financially likely because this is, was a 4 cause firing. So you know that they have deep pockets too because they're in the Big 10. So if you would like to coach, maybe no more if you're if you're Matt Campbell, if you'd like to be done by the time you're, you know, 52, 53 years old, and then spend the rest of your life with family and never worry about money and your children never worry about money, you take the job. Mm -hmm. If you are somebody that aspires to want to play in the playoff and be a regular, consistent player – and you don't want to leave the sport and you want to still live and hang around the locker room with these players because that's what athletes and coaches miss more than anything is the, the esprit de corps of being around teammates and our, your players and the locker room. There's nothing in the world that replicates that once you're out of it. I've been told that by every player that I've ever known who's played in the NFL and then they're done. They don't know sometimes what to do to replace their time with. I guess it just comes down to Lance's and Matt's career aspirations, but it's difficult to turn down generational life-changing money. Now, Matt's already made, what's Matt making? Five mil a year? Four mil a year? Yeah, five. Yeah, or five. five from- um, he's probably got four or five years on that contract. So, I mean, you could say that Matt has uh few money at this point in time in his life, and he does. We're talking about decreasing the amount of time you need to do it and doubling the money. You're talking about quality of life. So for each of these guys, that's my question. If I'm Lance Leipold at 58, 59, show me the money, I'm gone. Matt Campbell's a little different. He's younger. He still has mountains to climb because it's not always about the money. I know when the old adage is when people say it's not about the money, it's about the money. I, five, not even five years ago, I left the best day job I ever had working for one of the largest um, midstream NGL uh, energy, co- energy, energy companies in the United States. It was a phenomenal job, but I wanted to start my own company. And I had a couple of guys I wanted to do it with. And I went to my wife and I said, Hey, listen, um, this is a huge risk. I'm going to go f- to, from making the most money I've ever made to making nothing and no guarantees. And who knows if it'll work out. And she said, okay. Thankfully, she did. So now it's five years later. I I didn't leave because of the money, because I I felt I could make more on my own than I was making for another corporation. But for a lot of people and entrepreneurs, especially, it's not about the money. It's about the mountain. It's about climbing that mountain. It's about creating something that didn't exist before, imbuing something into existence and being successful at it. The money is a byproduct of climbing the mountain successfully. And I probably want to do the energy stuff for another four or five years, and then I'd never have to do anything else for the rest of my life. But I will because there are more mountains to climb, and that's how I'm wired. I don't yeah. know how Lance Leipold's wired. That's how I Matt's kinda, wired. I, kinda, I was of say, I kind of get the feeling that mm-hmm. Matt is a mountain man. He is. So he is. I just <sighs>
0: – I don't think he'll leave, especially with the amount yeah. of young talent they have. I,
1: I would be shocked with the what, adversity. What that jo- Given this, give, let's just hypothetically say he would turn down Texas A&M or say turn down 7 or 8 million dollars a year for Michigan State. Turns it down. What what job is out there for him to take then? Is it the NFL or 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 stay at Iowa State? Because Iowa man, State the competition they're going to be an alpha in the new Big 12 football He alignment has turned down NFL
0: jobs before. I know that. So
1: Now let me just turn this to you. I've basically give the given the philosophical old man answer. What do you think specifically, relative to Matt Campbell, what job would be out there that you could see him taking? Because it's it's not going to be another Big Twelve job, and if it's in the Big Ten or the SEC, it needs to be a blue blood so you're in position to make that playoff, you know, regularly. Because yeah,
0: I think it's the blue blood thing. I, I think he would take Notre Dame if that ever came up because that was up, you know, and, and I think that would have been a, a real thing had they come calling him. Um I mm-hmm. think he would have taken USC had it been offered to him Um because I mean, it's one of the best jobs in college football. Um right. I, I'm pretty sure he could have. I don't know if he could have had Florida state, but I'm pretty sure he could have when they hired Norvell and he didn't, he didn't want it from what I understand. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. I mean, I, He's not like an Ohio State guy, people. But you know, it feels like that would be a no-brainer, being that he's from there. It feels like Penn State's always been a job that I I thought that he would. Michigan definitely would be, but they only hire their own. You know, so who's going to get the Michigan job if Harbaugh leaves? Thought about that. I don't. I I, I the at Washington. I heard him. I heard his name. Who? The Boer, the head coach at Washington. Gotcha. I've, I've well, heard like, his it, name. Does he
1: have Michigan connections? I, I don't know.
0: I, I don't know, but I, I know that his name's been thrown around. The, those are the types of jobs though. Like I just I can't imagine Matt would be like, yeah, you know, I've turned down NFL jobs. I told Nebraska I wasn't interested. I um could have been to Florida State. Yeah, I'm gonna go to
1: East Lansing. That, I, yeah, it, makes no sense. Makes no sense. And and again, as we analyze what the Big Twelve looks like starting next year um you dude know, i'm State's- telling you if they if he stays long term
0: i think they're top three four program in that league year i wouldn't year.
1: i don't argue i'm not arguing with you at all yeah so it's like okay and 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 if they are that and they make a playoff once every four or five years i mean jamie's gonna have to you know hit bloom up to work a little harder selling those signature series benches to get a little more capital to pay Matt Wait. more money because don't you don't have to sell Matt a
0: bench up. before you can sell more benches?
1: Look, dude, I did not come on here to offer up any Brent bloom slander. All right. I'm not you going told to me do that. i told him yesterday. If he thinks that's a troll, then he is too young to remember the magic that I once created. I actually, tweeted at him. <laughs> I tweeted at him. i tell you hi. <laughs> I love Brent. Brent, Brent. Brent is just a younger and probably just as obnoxious version of me as when I was the same age. So I have I respect the game. It's a different I type of him. obnoxious. I said, Iowa, Iowa has zero penalties today. And I said, at Brent Bloom this happens to other against other teams too. And if that's a troll bud, cuz that was a comeback at Brent complaining about the officiating, Iowa not having any penalties against Iowa State. This this is not an an irregular thing for Iowa. Uh you and Bloom
0: are very different in your prime. Very different trolls.
1: How, why how would you say that? Uh, blooms
0: are very like when you read his well first of all you got a radio show you had a radio show so like yours were just so much more in your face obnoxious oh you were like you you were trying to be bombastic with your trolling
1: yeah and you're saying Brent isn't because I follow him on Twitter Bloom. and um it, Bloom. Takes the, it takes a lot of discipline to not chime in <laughs> bloom when he does it he it's so calculated
0: that really he's trying to be the smartest guy in the room type of troll but it's not as bombastic because he he, he is thought when he when he hits post he's thought through every comeback that you could have anybody and like, and he's setting it up for only the lowest common denominator to comment, and then they look just stupid because they don't, because those types don't generally understand the level of trolling that he's on. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, he's an, he's an elitist troll bully. <laughs> you are a blue collar, bullshitter troll. I am what I am. <laughs>
0: happy price,
1: price line.
0: Okay, got that out. Okay, so now... The, so the Iowa game was wild yesterday, okay? And we're... Just so everybody knows, you're probably listening to this Monday morning. We're recording this about 7 o'clock on, on Sunday night. The Iowa game and was, was freaking wild because they actually had like a pulse on offense in the second half. And this Deacon Hill, I, he... He's not good, but he, he looked serviceable in the, in the second half. And like Kirk Ferentz is crying on the sidelines. And there was just all this stuff happening. Like it, it was wild. And I'm not even an Iowa fan. And I was captivated by this. Like Kinnick Stadium was kind of like, oh, we don't even know what to do. We're scoring some touchdowns. And then Kirk does the whole thing in the postgame where he gets super emotional. He He's crying again. And I, I, I couldn't help but go there in my mind. What is Beth gets thinking right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think they're gonna uh, the Nebraska game. I think is a true toss up. I think they'll beat Illinois next. I don't know. They'll have them ready. But like, the worst case is nine and three in the Big Ten championship game. Right. Worst case.
1: Um. Yeah, if you split the next two, yeah, that's that's your fate. Um, nine and three in the sacrifice, but you know what? You you you're there, so you got a chip and a chair, right? I'm watching so, yeah, a man I mean, crying
0: due to the emotional taxing that this whole thing has put on his family. Is what it felt like to me. Um, it and I, I just I couldn't help but think about the future there. Like one, like he brought right. up retirement, like which he that was really weird how he did that in the post game thing.
1: I, didn't I don't think, think it he's was retired. weird. I think, I, I think it's been out of context. I, I think that he's like, you know what? Sitting back and counting wins and milestones—that's for the off season and, and when you're retired. Okay. That's the context that's that, that he delivered that. that in.
0: What if Iowa has two more offensive performances? Like Will they have a the <laughs> But that's all you've needed, though,
1: right? Dude, like, so, dude. I mean. I'm I'm gonna pull, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna pull this up right now. I'm gonna pull up the NCAA statistics. I know right where to go, so don't worry. You know that I can fill and do multiple things with the best of them out here because I have a hypothesis, and I've said this for years. All Iowa needs to do is have an 80th best offense in the country. If they have an 80th best offense in the country. They're going to win 10 or 11 games every damn year, and right now I'm going to go down to 80, and 80th in the country is Virginia, and they average 369. Iowa had just over 400 yesterday, and just over 400 per game uh, would put you in the top 50. You're talking national national championship because the defense in the last several years has played at the natty level. Now, I'm not saying Iowa would be hoisting multiple national championships because they don't have the mean, skill though. position players that are needed to have when you get to that stage. But you're talking about a team that would have won the West for three or four or five years in a row if they would have had just an offense that was 80th or 90th best. Just don't be the worst and don't be historically bad. Now, relative to Deacon Hill – that second half yesterday, that is the type of performance that you want to see from him because it was a game managing performance. He mm-hmm. took what was there. His footwork actually was noticeably better noticeably better in the second half than it was in the first half. He settled down and played within himself almost as if he had some type of zen session at halftime and he and he cleared his mind out. And when he came out, in this and, and the Iowa's offensive line, as banged up as they were coming out of the Northwestern game, they did a really good job in pass protection yesterday. They were great. Yesterday. That was their best game of the year. It was really good against a really salty Rutgers defense, who yeah. actually gave Ohio State a tougher time than they gave Iowa. And I'm, I'm not playing transitive properties here. Or so, the, yeah, are you trying Deacon, to say? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Um, if Deacon Hill can play within himself. Uh, the next two weeks, Iowa will win these games by double digits. Is there is there any scenario where Brian
0: Ferentz is the coordinator next year?
1: I don't think so. And I think I think it makes me appreciate what Beth and President Wilson did more. And I knew why they did it when they did it, but this is just an example of why they did it when they did it. Because I, Iowa fans, the vast majority of Iowa fans, love Kirk. I do too. Uh. The vast majority of of fans who've been sitting here watching the worst offense in college football in the modern era, the last two years combined, probably have a case of Stockholm syndrome right now. So the first time Iowa looks like they have some competence, it's like, oh, great. He loves me. He didn't hit me tonight. I mean, that's what I think it is. And I think by Beth and President Wilson doing what they did when they did it, you eliminate the emotion. The, Brian Ference is not only being put out of the program because of having a horrific offense, because I don't even think it's mostly Brian's fault. I think there's always a limiter or a governor on Iowa's offense. And that is Kirk Ferentz. I think they did it because people in that university are sick and tired of the nepotism bullshit that Gary Barta allowed to happen with the loophole where Brian reported to him. And when you have that, and you also have the worst offense in college football, you have more than enough basis to move on. So I'm glad they did it, and again, that's nothing against Brian because I think it's going to force Kirk. Well, it's not going to force him to do anything because if he didn't change when his son was the offensive coordinator, well, he didn't change when it's somebody who's not his son. Not not that it's perfect, but did
0: you read Scott Doctorman's list of potential replacements?
1: I did. Paul Christ is who I would hire without even talking to anyone else. Okay.
0: If it's not... All Iowa needs... Are Dude, if they hire that Wisconsin volunteer guy. Like you're not doing oh. anything. Like why'd you fire Brian Ferentz if you're going to hire that? Correct,
1: guy? correct, correct, correct. Bud Meyer. Um, I would go Paul, get Paul the Chris. Wyoming guy. Uh, well, Tim Paulsek, yeah, he's he's somebody that would be capable. Bring him and, back as uh, your uh, own line really, coach. Yeah, the offensive lineman loved him when he was there. Um, yeah. I, I've talked with multiple parents of him. Um, but you know, I think Paul Christ – I think that you know he and Kirk have a relationship that goes back a ways. Uh, Paul Chris is going to probably bring some wrinkles. I think that Iowa now exploring more usage of non outside zone and zone blocking schemes. The way that they always have opens the door more for Paul Chris. They did not use very much zone at Wisconsin, so I wouldn't expect Paul Chris to come in and and, and change things. But all Iowa needs is tweaks. They just need some tweaks and. I think that Paul Chris is also a very accomplished play caller as well. Brian Ference did not ever call plays for an offense prior to becoming Iowa's offensive coordinator. Now I'm not saying that's a necessarily a prerequisite, but I think Paul Chris has stands a better chance of calling a better game than Brian Ference. Yeah, I would agree. I just when I read that list last
0: week and like, it was just like what are they going to like not not telling you anything you don't know, but nothing's going to change with that group, right? Like I mean, this is these are all guys. Chris would be the one, you know, another head coach beat Kirk Ferentz a lot. Like, I don't know, how many times does Paul Chris feel like enough. Majority. Yeah. Yeah, like that would be a guy who or is that another is that another Greg Davis? No, it's Paul not Chris, you know. That's what
1: I was wondering. It's not it's not another Greg Davis because Greg that I think Kirk will allow who he hires to come in and put some wrinkles in their own fingerprints ish on it. Maybe it's the pinky finger. But Greg Davis came in and, and he wanted to employ this horizontal passing game uh, that Texas used a, a lot when he was the OC there. It's just that Iowa doesn't have the athletes that they have at Texas. So that was a really shitty thing. A lot of these the, the sight read. Uh, type of uh, background football where you don't really run routes that you see between Mahomes and Kelsey, and they have great. Those were some wrinkles that he brought in, and it just didn't work. And I think that the wrinkles that Paul Christ would bring in and employ are going to be much more palatable for Kirk. They'll be more in his wheelhouse. They'll be more, we're not talking high risk shit. So, yeah, I think Paul Christ would probably work out really well. And again, I think he's would call a better game. Iowa's biggest problem right now other than just Kirk's stubborn aspects relative to his offense is the offensive line development is nowhere near what it was uh, going back three years ago before and all throughout the Iowa football tenure. I don't know if that's a residual of, of Chris Doyle no longer being there. He was very much involved with the offensive line. Kirk Ferentz is involved, the offensive line. Brian Ferentz was there during a pretty good era, and they you know, they won that Joe Moore Award, although I think there were probably better units in the country that year than Iowa was. But Iowa's biggest, they biggest they problem right now is
0: offensive line development. Yeah, I, I did not understand how they won that award that
1: year. No, they, they, it, like, this should have been other years. But, you know, they also yeah. lost a big-time big commit this past week from they Cedar did. Rapids, a guy that had just moved in, um, and he decommitted. So... Iowa's biggest problem moving forward is its offensive line development. All right, before we wrap up, do you do you have any strong
0: opinions on the Michigan Harbaugh thing? Because I, I thought it was weird over the week, where you watch it. Like at, at first, they're all like these these hyper villains. Michigan was, and everybody was like, "Ah, oh, Harbaugh's a cheater." And then it almost felt like by kickoff of that game over the weekend that there was
1: sympathy for them. Which is why you fire Brian Ferentz when you did, by the way. That that's that, that's a microcosm of it. Human people. That's just that's human point. nature. I think most people most people are willing to afford people second chances, and that's what that's good. We all need second chances in life. We all need grace. And um, what I think about Michigan and Harbaugh and seeing them hunker down almost in a QAnon fashion is fuck Michigan uh, forever. And I hope they never win another game. That's how I feel about the
0: coordinator guy's response after the game was crazy.
1: It it it, dude, It's it's, it's 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 cultish level shit. It's Jim Harbaugh is a is a he is a unique character who I can't stand, wouldn't be my fit, but you know what? A lot of people love him, and that's great. We are all different, and that what's what's make the world go around. And there's people that don't like me and my persona, and that's okay. But no, I, I my take on Michigan is that that goes above and beyond the spirit of the sport. And yes, it sounds like Ohio State and some other schools gave Purdue some uh, intel prior to Purdue playing against that all Michigan the last year. That happens all the time. That yeah. is different than deploying someone to go sit. And in some instances go beyond sidelines. And if you think this guy was just acting of his own volition and could get into these places and do these things, I yeah, you probably would believe that, you know, uh you probably believe an election was stolen in 2020.
0: Yeah, it it crossed the line, no doubt. It was just the the human psychology of it was fascinating to me last week. Cause like <laughs> Yeah,
1: and, and the psychology like of sudden, that,
0: that- that game's kicking off, and and people are like, "Oh, poor Harbaugh," and it's like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" Like a yeah, week yeah, ago, he was minute. he was the devil,
1: you know. Yep. Yeah. Hey, before we go, um, what would you give to spend a night at Skinwalker Ranch? A lot. Well, I may have a hookup for you next summer. Okay. You just gonna leave me like that? I may so, or may not have. I may or may not have just hired someone to work for uh, my company, who has a very very close family relative to who is a part of the working staff presently. At that have
0: company. you asked questions about the ranch?
1: Uh, not yet. I felt I wanted to get this guy in the family before I started to geek out on this with him. Um, but you know, going to spend a lot of time with him at different sales conferences and conventions, and I, I'm going to the the gonna get to the bottom of it. Going to get to the bottom. Ooh, yeah, dude, I've I've been waiting to hear back from you on December circa for like a while. You know yeah, my bags are packed. happening, but yeah. Oh God, had the hall pass. Well, we'll get. You, right.
0: We're going to do it. It's just I got I got to work out a few things, and then we'll. we'll... So anyway, so okay. you yeah. hired somebody for those people who don't know skinwalker ranch is in utah it there's all sorts of ufo sightings over at paranormal many people believe it to be a portal
1: G, really really weird geomagnetic events that can't be explained also elements of radiation burns at various yeah. places on the on the property 500 the show? some acres no, I didn't watch the show. I watched it, an interview on YouTube this past week from the guy that bought it in 2016, who's now ben. the owner. And he was actually, he was name checking the guy's debt, the, the person I just hired, his family He's, member. That, that like hedge he fund guy. name checking. Right? Yeah. A Utah uh, uh, real estate magnate. And um, I'm skeptical, as you know, on these things. But I listened to him talk and his explanations and his firsthand accounts. I'm no longer skeptical. Something really weird's going on there. I mean, Harry Reid, former United States, uh, was it a congressman or senator? He, he was, was a part senator. of a, a. He was a part of an organi- uh, uh, an investigation by the government into this area and people's cell phones just turning all different colors and everyone's cell phones doing that at certain locations dude just walking around and not realizing that 10 minutes of his life just passed by and everyone's like dude what's wrong with you what about all the How cattle mutilation cattle mutilation mutilations where the, the 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 desecrated corpses wouldn't be touched by any natural carnivores that are on the property and there's coyotes everywhere and there's vultures and these things are untouched almost up to a year later. Really weird stuff. I do love that gateway portal uh, conspiracy. Now, I will say, I I think that that is probably within the realm of the ancient Yellowstone caldera. And I don't know if there's anything funky that happened when that baby blew 700 and some thousand years ago. And we're overdue for that one, by the way. Don't worry about it. If it happens, we're all dead. But um, yeah, it's all fascinating. You knew about the Yellowstone Caldera, right? No,
0: but I'm going to look into it now. Send me some yeah. stuff.
1: Calderas, yeah. Well, you're, the you're portal talking about stuff massive. is weird to me because what's weird the portal? Well, did you listen to
0: my CW pod with the paranormal investigator a few weeks ago?
1: Not all the way, not all the way through, but I will. I did listen to the part where uh, you freaked me out. Well, she was. We were talking about
0: portals because this is one thing that I just like. You know, we all we all have our limits with anything. <sighs> yeah, we do. And like do. the portal thing is always to me it's like okay, like I believe that there's ghosts and I think there's unidentified flying objects and that many of them are unexplainable and like you right, you guys know where I am. But like the portal thing seems weird to me that all of a sudden like you're in a different dimension but there's a theory you know, we got the elementary school out here in Farrar. That's the portal theory that going on out there. A lot of people so, take that by the old oak tree.
1: Are, are they talking about portals being gateways connecting... Um, to hell. Paral- parallel universes? Yeah. Okay, okay. I, I think theoretically, um, I think Einstein, um, you know, the Einstein-Rosen bridge which basically is about the formation and creation of wormholes that allows you to uh, travel great distances uh, at greater than light speed. But even though you're not basically traveling any greater than light speed, you're just basically folding space and shortcutting it. Um, I think Einstein has a theory relative to uh, multiverses, uh, parallel universes. Obviously, we've seen a lot of that in the Marvel, uh, the MCU universe and, and that probably was a lot of people's introduction to what a multiverse is, but I absolutely, and I think for those of you that watch the TV show Lost, I think that there was a multiverse thing going on there. I think it's possible. I think it's possible. I, I don't know how to, uh, and, and, and maybe in some other universe, that place there at, in, in Bondurant Ferrar, that elementary and uh, the, uh, the axe murder house down uh, where you're from, maybe some things happen there bleed over. I don't know. I think scientifically that can make sense to me because a lot of what Einstein talked about has come to bear. Um, and I think ultimately the universe is a math equation anyway. Could
0: you do me a favor and text me the cell phone number of this guy you just hired? No, no I, I just, we'll get there. I just want to we'll tell get him there, bud. He, he's going to work for a great guy. I, <laughs> yeah. Nothing self-serving.
1: Right, right. You'll get hey, there.
0: Listen, could you get him to come on the CW my pod?
1: Um, I, I, I bet if his, if his family, if his family member is allowed to come on, I could get that person. You don't want, you don't want him. You want? Oh, the I want. The, I want the real thing. Yeah, yeah. Now I, I, I may, you know, want to launch a, a a JM pod on this network myself, and that might be my first guest. I've, I've been pinging. Do you want Neil to DeGrat- openly compete with me? You know me; it's about the mountain, buddy. <laughs> I want to climb. I want to. I, I want to do something on this network so I can get as much um, production uh, time committed to me as the the Hassel and Williams show. That would be good because I think it'd help our numbers. You know, it.
0: We will. We just have to wait until January.
1: I'm just shitting. I don't care. No, I don't but care it's true. About that. I'm just joking. I'm just but joking. I'm just. Aiden joking. starts. I don't care. Aiden starts full-time in January. That's great. He's really good, really responsive. Um, but yeah, I mean, at some point in time, I want to do a podcast like that. And I'd really like to do it with you. I just, you know, oh, yeah. it may take a few years for us to get there. Well, I, I, think to stop we, I think it's I trying to climb we, mountains. Yeah, right. I think you and I could put forth one of, I think we could put forth a really entertaining every topic podcast. I
0: do too. Maybe that's just what this is going to just be.
1: I, I hope maybe it we, is. You know, we, we get, literally. Look, maybe we should. Let's do it.
0: It's the middle of college we'll, we'll, football, and we just spent the last fifteen minutes on Skimwalker Ranch and portals.
1: And if people are listening to this or watching this, I would wager. Notice our facial uh, expressions. Notice the energy that we had. We're way this happier part versus the past, and that lets you know where our passions lie. <laughs> we're weird. We're kooky and let's get weird together.
0: Yeah, deal with it, everybody. <laughs> thanks to our friends at wild rose casinos in jefferson emmitsburg and clinton do you want to go so real quick i'm going on a hunt over there with with my with my buddy who was on the you know the ghost hunter she's taking me we're gonna van winkle's gonna video record the whole thing we're gonna do a real hunt do you want to go you want to be a part of this
1: i mean there is a part of me that would love to do it because i think it would be hilarious (laughs) The other nah, part of me you can't do it if you're going to be a dick. I wouldn't. Do you think I would do that? Absolutely. I mean, I I would not ever embarrass you or or put you in a bad light with people that, you know, and I, I'm not saying I disbelieve it. Maybe hilarious is a wrong choice of words. I think it'd be exhilarating. How about that? But there's a little part of me that's like, do not F around with this shit. So that's funny you say that, because this is what
0: one of my best friends is a PhD, um, biological chemist, whatever. He's freaking genius. You had and him he, on
1: your podcast. Yeah, yeah he's
0: on. brilliant. He's one of the smart. He's the smartest human I know.
1: Well, and he's one yeah, of my
0: best friends. He He's Mr. Science. If he can't directly prove it, then it doesn't exist.
1: I love that okay. already. It has to be objective truth or it's, it's not true. I'm with him. simpatico.
0: So he's like very skeptical of all this because that's, you know, science like doesn't indicate that spirit's watching me right now. Right. Like you, it, it's kind of like, you can't prove that really. Right. Well, I always tell him like, okay, big shot. Go on a ghost hunt with me. Let's go. I, and I'm going to lock your ass in there for the entire night by yourself. If hey, if you're not worried about it if you know they don't exist, just go.
1: I That's would be so pissed at you. If you ever did that to me, it would be I'd be I'd break windows, I'd get out and then I'd come for you. <laughs> by the way, there's one <laughs> one thing while I'm not I'm 99% scientific. Give me objection uh, object, objectable truth. Um, but the 1% does love exist in your opinion? Is love real? Yeah. I mean, right. you seen I agree. Taylor Swift and I agree. Travis Kelsey. Absolutely. No, no greater example than my neighbor, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and their relationship. Science can't measure it. They can't break down the components of it, but every living human on this planet would likely say that love exists. And science also can't prove necessarily relative to a plus B equals C what dark matter is. Dark matter has been a placeholder in the standard you, model of particle physics matter. for a long time.
0: You always come back because to dark
1: matter. Otherwise the standard model of particle physics and our understanding of the universe would not worth would ma- not work mathematically. So love exists, dark matter or something exists science can't measure it. So science doesn't get it right all the time, but the majority of the time I will align with science.
0: His name is John Miller. My name is Chris Williams. Again, two guys named Chris will be on Tuesday and Thursday this week. And then Hassel's coming to Ames. He's calling nice. the Texas game.
1: Oh, fantastic. If you want That's to come great... on up,
0: John, make room for you in the what camper day it?
1: this what Saturday. Day Um, let's see. I'm not going to rule it out, but you know, I had a procedure last week and I'm not still not out of the woods yet. Yeah. The old, uh, I won't say it. It's okay. Happens to all of us. Snip, snip. Yeah. You, you've done commercials for vasectomies and apparently you're still, uh, you're still out firing. I'm I'm an elite actor.
0: It's true. You are my services. I, I, I can't blame them. All right. Uh, He's John Miller. I'm Chris Williams. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll be back next week. Iowa everywhere.